This is the Car Dealer Podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budgets and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray, and joining me, as ever, is luminous trouser enthusiast James Batchelor. Batch, how are you? I love the way these intros, they get, they get, they get more <laughs> over the top every single week, don't they? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm fine, thank you. I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I do feel as though the tables have been turned this week because i've very much been sitting here slaving away over the over the keyboard whilst you've been off on a car launch haven't you i have i have had a very nice time uh driving the volkswagen id buzz around denmark and uh and sweden are you actually allowed to talk about it is it embargoed Uh, i'm allowed to say i've been there i'm allowed to i'm allowed to say and i quote from the instructions here i'm allowed to say what passes by thought of the car I'm not allowed to say what I thought of it. Right. So what did passers-by think of the car? Uh, well, there are a lot of people looking at it, but yes. unfortunately, I don't speak Danish or uh, Swedish, so I'm I'm unable to tell you. Okay. I, I right. think the well, reaction was positive. Okay. I can I can now understand why we don't send you on car launches, really, <laughs> because your review so far has been pretty lukewarm, mm. hasn't it? Really. Mm, I I just like to keep a kind of you know. A lukewarm existence, to yeah. be honest. Anyway, who have we got on the show today then, John? Yes, yeah, so our guest this week is Darren Martin, Head of Valuations at Cap HPI. Darren, lovely. Direct, director of Valuations. Oh, sorry, Director of Valuations. <laughs> Very <laughs> important. I get that bit wrong. Hello. <laughs> How are things? Good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Not as excited a week as you've had by the sounds of it, but I'm okay. Well, yes, Absolutely um do you speak danish or swedish by any chance no neither no what did you think of, what did you think of the uh, buzz by the way well this is it i i can only talk it's driving impressions i can't talk about it was it was uh very acceptable there we go that will keep bw happy for until the 7th september when i can talk about it um i don't know how, i don't know whether you can answer this question but we have waited a very 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 long time for this hmm um, vehicle. I mean, I even remember there was a, there was a concept out about twenty years ago. It wasn't electric, obviously, but there was I think it was called the VW Microbus or something. So we've we've wasted a very long time for this, and not wanting to give too much away. But would you say the wait has been worth it? I don't know if I'm even allowed to say that. To be honest, <laughs> it's very specific. Um, uh, yeah, I I will say it looks quite good. I think yes. it looks. I think they've the look. There was some discussion about whether it was going to look anything like the concept, and I think it sort of does in the flesh. Um, that's all I can say for now, lest I incur the wrath of Volkswagen's very litigious legal team. Yes. So yes. going back to more important matters, because we're going to try and keep this under an hour for a change this particular episode. Um, Darren, we couldn't have you on without talking about used car prices, which, of course, we hardly ever do. 
So I'm going to go straight in. What are the headlines from August? Um, so from August, there's a 0.3% drop in values uh, at, at the three-year point. Uh, younger used cars have, have gone up slightly. Older, older guns up to 10 years have gone down by more than that. Um, so it's pretty much a, a, a flattish market still. Mm. Plateauing that we've talked about for the last few uh, few months. Um, electric vehicles um, doing doing quite well. Um, hybrids and uh, plug-in hybrids doing okay as well. Um, mm. Diesel under a bit more pressure. So yeah, that's a, a, a very brief summary of of what's gone into a month's worth of work. <laughs> mm. I was going to ask about EVs. You know, is that is that a good place for dealers to put their money at the minute? Yeah, I, I would say that they're obviously going up in consideration for cons for consumers and dealers are a lot more confident in stocking them now the, the only caveat is they're still expensive really so mm. uh, there's still uh, electric vehicles that are um well the new car prices is, is expensive and, and the used car price is expensive as well but there are some some cheap ones and there'll certainly be some cheap ones coming but yeah i would say anything uh, electric or hybrid is probably a, a, a good uh, good idea at the moment just with the cost of living concerns that people have um, and obviously, in the, they're in the, in the news a lot about moving into those sorts of vehicles. So you're probably better to stock one of those than you are to stock a 10-year-old diesel. Yeah, I think you make an interesting point there, Darren, really, because, you know, dealers don't like change, do they? Uh, let's face it, they're very happy doing what they know best. And um, up until fairly recently... You know, electric cars aren't a new new thing, but they've been around for a while now. And there are plenty of dealers who who have felt a little bit reluctant to to um, stock them because it's a different type of customer and they have to approach those sales slightly differently. But I think quite a lot of dealers now who are trying to stock electric cars are realizing that it's that there's not a huge difference, really, is there? It's it's, uh, you know, the customer comes in more often than not, they're quite read up on what they want and what they need from an electric car and you know it's it's metal at the end of the day and if there's a customer willing to buy it there's a deal to be done isn't there it's like anything you've got to qualify the customer you if if an, an ev isn't for them you're best to be honest about that um it, it works very well now that the ranges are, are are better um i think they've always worked well if you can charge it up at home and charge it up at work and and not, not too much else if you've got a, a commute and things like that. But also, as I say, the ranges are a lot better now and, and they work for a lot more people. But again, you, you, you just have to qualify. But yeah, there, there is, um, the knowledge of the consumer has definitely gone up and they are lower risk to stock on a forecourt than, than they were um, certainly in, in years gone by. And there's a, there's a lot of them around. I mean, every other advert on the telly is for, a, for an EV now, isn't it? So there's definitely a lot more awareness of them. Mm. So if you were to gaze into your crystal ball, you probably can't answer this, but what, why do you see it going in the next couple of months based on current kind of supply and demand? Do you think we'll, the plateau will continue? Um, I think we'll probably, um, I think values will probably come down a little bit more than they have been, but um, always put the caveat on that, that that is not necessarily a, a bad thing and values do tend to drop um, anyway. Mm. Um, cars depreciate, cars deflate in value as they get older in their life cycle, those sorts of things. So I think you're going to get a situation where volumes are going to go up in September, obviously, with it being a new plate, although that's not quite as important as it, as it used to be. Um, but the, the volumes won't be anywhere near where they were pre-pandemic either. So there will be more cars coming back into the market because of part exchanges and, uh, and fleet returns, especially fleet returns, which have been 
starved for, for quite a while now. Mm. So you get more cars coming back in. Um, demand might um, lift, consumer demand might lift a little bit in September when people come back off the holiday period. But then we're heading into a period of um, of the unknown, really, with cost of living concerns and when people have to put the heating on and the costs involved in, in pretty much everything and where inflation goes. So that that could be a little bit of a, a dampener on some on some demand just as supply is going up. But um, there's not going to be enough supply to really cause any sort of seismic crash. So mm. I think it's going to be. Um, slightly more movement down than we've seen over the last few months but nothing completely untoward I, I would say mm, okay and some scary news on price caps today but of course we won't go into that because uh we'll be depressing everyone before we even started um right let's get going so if you haven't listened before batch and i have chosen our favorite stories from the car dealer website this week we don't know what each other has chosen, and we're going to have a chat about each one as we go along. At the end, Darren gets to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, you can tweet at Mag and let us know if you think we've missed anything. Um, on our last podcast, which was quite a long time ago because we've had a bit of a summer break, um, I was actually the winner. I don't even remember that batch. Of, you know, I, I won. Do you remember that? Well, you didn't mention it, John, so no, I don't remember. Oh, right. Well. Well, I won, so Please, I'm going to go first. Feel, feel free to rub it in again. Feel free. To. <laughs> I'll see how this goes. Um, so I'm going to start with, uh, on the note of my my lovely launch, which you mentioned, the rising cost of electric cars and how it could put them out of reach of buyers. This is a story um, uh, my colleague Ted Wilford wrote yesterday, uh, and I believe it's a it's sort of press release from electrifying.com which of course specializes in electric cars and it's it's more focusing on the cheaper electric cars if such a thing exists um and how various forces have you know combined to make them out of reach for the average customer so a few years ago or maybe even a year ago there was quite a selection of kind of reasonably priced um usual kind of small EVs that you could sort of justify going into for about 30 grand. And that selection has got much, much smaller. So there's a great example in this, which is the Honda E. Um, the Honda E a few years ago, I, I believe it was about 28, 26, something, 28 grand. It was, it was not a, it was quite expensive for what it was, but it was reasonably priced. It's now 36. So it's gone up 30% in a year which is an incredible price jump for such a small car with such a small battery. Um, and of course, that's just one of many because, you know, every manufacturer was chasing the increasingly small um, grants from the government, which has now been cut. So we now have all these EVs which have gone back up in price slightly or the trim levels have been reduced uh, because they're not chasing this target of 35 or 30 or whatever the, the, the cap was for that. Um, and of course, components have got more expensive. So there's a suggestion that now the lack of cheap EVs is going to make it quite hard for people who are really considering moving into one. Mm. Sorry, I, 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 was, <laughs> I was so absorbed in that. I was <laughs> good. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I mean, I the reason just... I the, the one thing I will say about going on about ID Buzz again, the one uh, thing I will talk about is the price of it. It starts at £57,000 for a five-seat kind of MPV. I know it's a kind of, you know, it's a premium product as such. It's 
um it's a bit like the mini isn't it you you kind of buy it because you want it but fifty-seven thousand pounds for what is it an mpv well i can't believe i'm saying this but i i don't think that's too much money actually well, well I was driving thing, I, isn't it? Well, I was driving a higher high-end Ionic 5 the other day and it was 55,000 pounds. Mm. Um an EV a decent Kia EV6 is 50 grand. Um and I think this is the thing isn't it? I think we motoring journalists we do we have very strong views on where cars should be priced and arguably you know in my for some reason in my head i still think of a porsche 911 as a 70 grand car it's not it's mm. it starts at 100 you know um but i don't i think it's only we journalists who think of these things like i, I don't think customers tend to i think customers if they want something and they can make the monthly payments work out i don't think people the, the you know the, the the sticker price as the americans would say is quite so important these days i mean do you do you believe the same darren or am I talking rubbish as per usual? Um, obviously, monthly payments are more of a thing than they were years ago. I, I think some of them are expensive, but I think that the one thing really is that there are other there are new new incumbents coming in on EVs, certainly on the uh, from the from China, mm. and they will be producing cars that are within the starting with a two. So I think um, although cars have gone up in price, there there's definitely some new ones coming in, and it's going to stir things up. We. We've we've had years of the the usual players um, in the market, and then you've got brands like Kia and Hyundai who have really upped the stakes that um, and have become more um, more sort of mainstream from where they were. So I think it's easier for brands to come into the UK now, especially with with EVs um, predominant. So I think you'll get some some cheaper brands coming in over the uh, over the coming years that will definitely stir things up, and and the public will. Um, we'll, we'll definitely choose vehicles like that rather than the than the historical um, Fords and, and Vauxhalls that they're used to. So I don't think it's, it might be an issue in the short term, but I think longer term it, it won't be. Mm, well, we definitely have seen that. I mean, you're absolutely right about Hyundai and, and Kia. and um, But of course, their prices have gone up now. So, you know, uh, a, a really well-specced Kia is, is a similar is knocking on the door of BMW money these days. So um, I think there is a, a real opportunity for some Chinese brands to come in. Um, I saw in the news this week, BYD, um, I think it's called Build Your Dreams. I think that's what it stands for, something cringy like that. But apparently, and I'm, I'm trying to find out who, and if anybody's listening to this would like to tell me, I'd be very grateful. But apparently BYD have already got a, they've spoken to a dealer partner and uh, they plan to launch in the UK by the end of the year. And if they do that, that would be, I think, uh, unprecedented in terms of getting products into the UK market so quickly. But of course, you know, there's MG this week. They're launching the MG4 to the press. Mm. It does seem like that's a very competitive car, um, better than a VW ID3 from all accounts. I haven't driven it yet. And yet it costs 10 grand, it's 10 grand less. So um, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think... And I've, I've said this before on the podcast, I think th with electric cars coming, um, it's a great leveler in terms of, you know, the, the, you know, the historic brands where we've all we've all placed them in a hierarchy. I think th with electric coming coming along, that hierarchy doesn't really it was less important now. And I think people are, are primarily buying cars on price and they're buying cars on range aren't they less so about the badge on on, on the nose um mm. that's a very general point but i think um 
I think it's one to look out for. I think BYD, I think you're right. They are, I mean, they're, they're going to expand next year. They're going to have reasonably priced cars and and they, yeah, they're, they're definitely coming. So, and they're, I believe they're looking for dealer groups with EV experience as well. So whoever's signed up will not just, um, but they'll, they'll know what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. So I don't think, as I say, I don't think it's an issue. And I think there will be uh, some, some, some great new cars in the market as well. Yeah. Shall I move things on? Please do. Well, actually, it dovetails very neatly to what you were saying, because some of those dealers who might be who might be raising a hand for a BYD uh, franchise might be some XMG dealers, because um, this week um, I wrote a story about uh, some MG dealers losing their franchise. Um, and uh, I, I've spoken to three anonymous MG dealers. Um, and a fourth has actually contacted me today. I haven't spoken to spoken to them yet, but I will do. Um, so three have already told me that um, this is happening. One of those dealers has lost his franchise um, and very upset, very angry about it. And the two other dealers I spoke to uh, are aware that this is happening. So this it, it is happening. This is not a rumor story. It is happening. Um, MGR getting rid of some of their dealers. And the reason why people are angry about it is because these dealers that are going have been with uh, the with MG for a very long time. Not, not only have they been with MG since um, SAIC uh, reborn, re, re well, you know, gave, gave birth to, to the new current MG, but also a lot of these dealers were MG Rovers back in the day. They also had a spell as a Chevrolet dealer, perhaps, um, as well. So, and the important point here is that these dealers, they tend to be very rural dealers, but with that, they've got very loyal customers and they have very high levels of customer service. And, um, there are fears that MG Motor UK are turning their back on these dealers and going for the big dealer groups like Arnold Clark. Arnold Clark has just um, has now got seven MG dealers. Um, and uh, it's, it's a tricky one, really, because it's understandable. MG have got very high hopes of, um, well, especially with the MG4, which we've just spoken about, um, to growing their brand. Um, two MG dealers have told me that uh, by 2024, this brand new MG4 is going to be the oldest car in their range. That gives you an idea of how quickly MG is going to be rolling out new products. And of course, it's all going to be electric. Um, and they want to aim big with some big dealers. But I do think it is a very risky thing to do to get rid of dealers who have very strong customer bases because... Um, I, I, I just don't think you can overlook that kind of experience. So um, I contacted MG yesterday for a comment. I've yet to hear back from them. So they haven't put their side of the story across. But like I say, I've heard from three, potentially four dealers who say this is all happening. And it's quite a sad state of affairs, really. Hmm. I mean, imagine signing up as an MG dealer in 2011. And you are offered the MG6, which was, what was it, a 1.8 petrol saloon and hatchback. That was it. And the TF, which was by that point nearly 20 years old or something. Yep. Um, and thinking, oh, some new products going to come along. And now, now it starts to come along. And, well. 
well, goodbye is, off you go this is the reason why and one dealer said said this to me they feel as though they've been um stabbed in the back really because this this particular dealer who's telling me was one of those dealers who stepped up in 2011 and apparently and um you know, I'm just quoting what he's saying here, that MG were desperate for, for car dealers to, to mm. sign up. And uh, the, at that point, there was only the TF sports car to sell. Then there was the MG6, just, just as you said. And, you know, they, they've lived through all of these years of, of the product slowly getting there. And of course, MG ZSEV was the big big was the big car for them really and uh and they've signed up for this journey and then all of a sudden they're they're shown the door so um you could say it's sour grapes you could say i know you could say that but i am of the view that um i think it's it's a it's a it's a trick it's it's a bit of a mistake saying goodbye to dealers who have got a lot of experience um and they've got high retention levels with their customers I, i don't think those things can be overlooked really Hmm. I mean, I can't say I'm hugely surprised in a way because, you know, the thing that was, well, we found it a surprise last year doing the Cars of the Power results was how far down the list MG were. I can't remember if they were last or second to last. They were very, they were at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, something has gone horribly wrong here because they've got all this new product. And, you know, it, even then there was quite a lot of new product. There was the five, there was the ZS the HS plug-in hybrid, whatever. They're not short of cars that are ready to go at the moment. You know, it's not a kind of, it's not like a, well, I won't name some other brands, but there are some other brands who are not producing things that are 2022 ready, should we say. You know, they they are in demand and they are rising and yet the dealers are not very happy with them. So there, there must be something going on. The communication and the, ugh, I don't know, with the dealers is not great. Mm. Yeah, Darren, I mean, what do you think? I mean, the, the rise of MG, particularly with the ZSEV, has been quite remarkable, really, isn't it? And it goes back to an earlier point we were saying where they were able to come in with technology at an affordable price point and, and pretty much sort of mop up a little bit, haven't they? Keeping that going is 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 a tough ask, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, I can... I've seen this so many times. We've all been in the industry a few years and you see this a lot, but it's, it happens with, with manufacturers. They... They rationalise their network. Um, I think maybe I don't know who these dealers are that, that you've spoken to, but I think one of the key things you said is that they're rural dealers. Maybe they're traditional dealers. Is a rural dealer going to bring the, the return for, for MG? Is rural the right place for an EV um, retailer? I think there's all things like that that you've got to throw in, and, and you have to kind of it's all it's all it's all very good sort of saying oh well, it's terrible they, they were loyal and things like that but it's business at the end of the day and i'm sure the decision that mg have made and, and if they're going with brands i mean you can't go wrong with arnold clark can you and things like that so i feel i feel sorry for for them but i guess there's a business decision that's been made by mg and and loyalty and and that type of thing doesn't necessarily come into it when you've got to make business decisions about the future so mm. yeah that's probably my view on it really on, on the on the other hand, um, you've also got to be very confident that your future products are going to be impressive and they are going to deliver the returns which the big dealer groups are expecting because, of course, the, the dealers, the smaller dealers who have been there since the beginning might be a little bit more accepting of the fact if some of the if some of the future product is a bit more expensive, um, you know, might not sell in quite the same numbers as 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 the stuff is at the moment. 
you know, they, they may be a little bit more tolerant of that. Whereas the, the big dealers such as Arnold Clark, if, if MG is not delivering the numbers, I don't think they'll uh, think twice about passing, passing ways with MG. So, but it's it, like you say, it happens all the time, doesn't it? This is nothing new. Um, but it's just, um, sorry. sorry. Every um, MG dealer, every dealer that we've spoken to that's recently taken on MG is delighted with the franchise. Yes. They are doing really well with it. Um, and it, yeah, the, the inquiries are really high. It's a, it's a growing brand again, and uh, I think they'll do really well. And, and I think the dealers that take it on will do really well, but maybe they just want something a little bit different to some of those um, traditional ones that they've had in those rural areas. But yeah, when, when we speak to them, they are, they're, they're one of the up and coming ones from, from a dealer perspective. I think there are dealers probably taking, taking MG's hand off to, uh, to have the franchise. So it's probably not very surprising. Yeah, yeah. Right. Do you want to move things on then, John? I will. That was a very nice balanced discussion. I, I enjoyed that. It was, wasn't hmm. it? I enjoyed well that. We, sh we, should, we should try and aim for that every single week, really. <laughs> um, right. I will move on to some, well, some good news for used car, uh, used car, well, car supply in general. Renault and Stellantis have confirmed that uh, they've returned to normal output at their plants. Oh, this is in France anyway. Um, which should ease a few fears about new car production. Um, so, I mean, they haven't they haven't said it's 100% back to normal, but they have said that this, last year they were at reduced capacity. They're now back up to normal levels, is the quote in this, um, having been on that typical kind of European French holiday for the last two months where the um, factories have shut. So it's looking like we're going to see a bit more kind of normality in terms of car supply. Um, from the likes of Citroen and Peugeot and Renault and whoever else. Um, however, what they have said is that they are they're continuing to monitor the semiconductor shortage on a day by day basis. <laughs> so it's sort of, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. It still seems to be continuing. And of course, maybe it's just a case of well, they've been shut for you know two months. They've now got a nice, well, not a nice supply because it's still just in time production, isn't it? But there's perhaps not uh such a struggle to find parts given that they've had two months off yes and i actually had this story written down as well so um apologies about that but um yeah i read that that line with interest and um and it also made me think of of something which i mean darren and i have spoken about is even uh, this morning about it's it's a brand by brand thing this isn't it whilst semiconductors are you know, they uh, manufacturers don't make their own semiconductors, but different manufacturers will be able to ramp up production quicker than others. And whilst there are a few rumours and hints such as this story that these brands will be able to, well, sort of getting out of the woods, um, it's not the case across the board. And, and also um, look how quickly things can change. There may be something else on the horizon which might affect things. Um, and, and, and also at a wider point, it's gonna take a very long time um, for supply chains and all sorts of other things to get back to normal. It's not just a case of uh, being able to ramp up the cars down the production line. There are all other uh, associated factors um, to it as well. So, I mean, I'm sure that doesn't come as much of a surprise to you there, Darren, does it? Uh, you and you're exactly right. Different brands are going to be um, 
going to be getting them getting their acts together quicker than others. And, and I guess with Stellantis and Renault, there's always going to be a caveat because of the situation in the world has changed dramatically this year, isn't it? With uh, with semiconductor, we thought we all thought it'd be back to normal by now, and then uh, war in Ukraine, um, issues in in the Far East have have um, impacted supply again. So it's really really difficult to call what what happens next. But that's got to be good news that they're, that they're opening up again. Last thing we want is plants closing down. Um, but I think the landscape's changed forever with regards to to supply and lower supply for, for now. Um, also things like supply in the rental industry and, and fleets have taken a back, back um, seat to supplying um, retail. So th things like that are gonna have to sort of flip around as well, because there's a lot of fleet cars, motability cars that are on extensions that need to come back into the market. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's obviously a, a good news story that they're, that they're reopening up and uh, yeah, long may it continue with that with other plants as well. Hmm. We'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget, and Cargurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz. Right, I'll, I'm going to move things on to um, used cars. And um, there's this survey that came out this week by Cargurus, which is the uh, car dealer podcast sponsor. Um, and uh, it, it, this survey uncovered several models which have bucked market trends and reduced in price over the last 12 months. Now, I do stress this is on car gurus. Um, this is not um, across the board, but it's um, on their particular site, and this is what they found. Um, it found that despite used car prices being up 12.9% year on year, a number of cars are not rising at the same rate. So... At number 10, we've got the um, BMW X1, uh, which fell by 12.7%. Then it was the Honda HRV, Land Rover Discovery Sport, Jagger F-Pace, Renault Capture, BMW 5 Series, Peugeot 3008, Volkswagen Golf, uh, the High-End Icona. And in number one, with a 18.4% price reduction, uh, which turns out to be £5,000 uh, reduction is the BMW 2 Series. Um, so I know I, I raced through that list very quickly, but, um, and of course, this is, like I say, this is Carl Gruz. It's not, um, it's not from Cap HPI, I know. But Darren, I mean, does anything there sort of strike you as a little bit unusual? I mean, there's plenty of SUVs there. Um, and also a lot of cars which are in that sort of, especially cars like the Peugeot 3008 and Volkswagen Golf, they're in that middle bracket, aren't they, where prices have sort of been levelling off a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, I, it's interesting because I, I had a quick look at this story um, and then I looked at our list of cars that have gone down and there will be cars that have gone down. We've got cars that have gone mm. down. This, this is obviously retail and, and we're more dealing with trade. Yeah. Um, none of the cars on this list were on our list, interestingly, but you will get that cars that went up by the most have probably come down by the most and whatever they've come down by is probably not anywhere near what they went up by. 
Um, that's certainly what 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 we've found. But um, yeah, on on our list were um, yeah some sort of almost uh, well we've had some some Land Rover. We had the Evoque, Discovery Sport, the Cougar Diesel, um, Kashkai Diesel. So there's a, a smattering of diesels there that that went up, and they're the ones that are under pressure a, a bit more now. So. Um, it, not, nothing really surprises surprises me that vehicles have gone down in value over the last year because they went up by by so much yes. before that. Um, yeah. And when we've looked at it as well, you've you, you got hybrids that kind of came down, um, sort of, sorry, have gone up by the most, but they went down by the most previously. So you do get a little bit of what goes up, comes down, but not to the same degree at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure if, if Cargo's run that those figures again in, in two or three months, you might get a different set of vehicles as well with, with ones that are, uh, are are dropping more as you head into this sort of period. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, an in, it's an interesting list, but um, it does tend to happen that cars go down in value, and especially when they went up by so much. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's the reason why, you know, we, we really enjoy doing our monthly chats with you because there is always that headline figure, but you know deep amongst that when you actually scratch beneath the surface there are all sorts of things that are going on and you know one thing which we know is the used car market you can't really predict the used car market it's changing all the time isn't it and there are certain cars which are going up and then they drop down and what have you so um i i was i was fairly interested in this car guru's um table um but yeah i, I think um there weren't a huge number of surprises there. Did it, were you surprised by anything there, John? Not really. I mean, in a way, yes, because it's every time we do one of these, there's almost always a different concoction of vehicles. Um, but, you know, I think Darren's right. There's You can find a narrative for each of them in a way as to why they've, you know, like the top one is, is the two series, um, the 2019 two series, in fact. I mean, could you argue that, you know, a year ago, the current two series had only just... Uh, come out and there was a bit of a kind of or hadn't even come out yet a year ago and there was a bit of a we need the small rear wheel drive vw uh, bmw sort of thing because the one series is no longer um rear drive so maybe there's an element of enthusiasts going out and panicking and trying to find a 240i from the previous generation and now that's stopped because there's a new model i don't know i'm making things up as i go along but presumably there's you know there's a lot more um than meets the eye about various things in this list again the Kona is second I mean we don't know whether that's the hybrid or the plug-in or the full EV I would imagine the full EV hasn't dropped a huge amount mm. um, but we don't know no no shall I move us on move us on please okay um right I'm gonna go for a story about something we bang on a lot about um in the industry and it's new reg day and how it's losing its appeal among car buyers, according to... to <laughs> I've got it down as well, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a poll by Motorpoint, the used car supermarket. Um, and they found that new car reg date, not that it has much to do with Motorpoint, to be honest, but it has lost its appeal among buyers. Um, there's a number of kind of factors floating around. One is, you know, that there are slightly more important things for buyers who are worried about right now, such as... Um, you know, is it the cheapest thing to run? What's the price of the car in general, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing I would imagine is that if you want a car, you can't really choose when it's going to arrive anymore. You've sort of probably, if, you know, if someone offered you a car at the end of August, you're going to go, yeah, okay, great. Don't care. I'm not, 
I need it right now. You know, my PCP expired three months ago and I haven't got a car sort of thing. Um, so perhaps there's an element of that. The other thing is that supposedly people are so lost now with what is the new reg, you know, we're not on a simple A, B, C, D, E, F, G thing, are we? Um, people do not have a clue what 22 or 72 means on a number plate. I mean, even I get kind of a bit, you get a bit lost in it sometimes, don't you? It's like, right, okay, is it 72 September? Yeah, all this, that and the other. So number Sorry, on that on that point, because I've got this story as well, that was mm -hmm. one of the elements of this story that raised my eyebrows because, I mean, this system's been around for over 20 years now. Mm. And uh, surely people are aware of you have the year and then it's followed by a 52 or 62 or a 72 um surely people are aware of that by now i would have thought but perhaps not i don't know perhaps perhaps i'm 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 too much in the car world i don't know but i, I did find are. that quite surprising i think we probably are i don't know what darren makes of that but i think the people that i speak to i'm constantly having to explain in a very kind of boring way actually the uh the 22 means the year but 72 is uh plus five or 50 because da, da, da. so it's i think there's still a lot of confusion about it despite because people don't really care <laughs> is the answer Darren, this is this has just come to my head here and because it's just coming to my head i haven't really thought it through properly so I, apologies okay. in advance but with the way with the way things are going where we're not sure when if you buy a new car when it's going to arrive and and if you believe this survey that people aren't so interested about the the the, the digits on their number plate do you think we could go back to the days of just having one new plate change every single year? Or do you think this two-plated system, which has been around for a long, long time now, um, is going to be the way the, 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 the car industry continues? I don't think we'll go back to one. It caused so much pressure, didn't it, on August? It was mm -hmm. massive, and, it, and there was such a big uptick for August compared to everything else that I can't see us going back to one. I think... The fact that there are two and maybe they're not as important has probably had the desired effect, but maybe it's 20 years on because it's smooth, smooth things over and maybe it will smooth things over even more now. I think you're completely right, though, John, when you're like 72, when someone said the 72 play, I would sort of think twice about it. It's not a massive thing, is it really? It doesn't feel... You're not going to be driving on and go, oh, look, there's a 72 plate there. I think it, it, it doesn't have as much... Um, as an impact as, as it used to have. And I, I think if you ask, I think uh, you both made a very point with, we're too close to it as well, because we do kind of know what it is. I bet if you want it to be very dull and boring this weekend and asked people who aren't in the industry, what plate is coming on the 1st of September, you won't get many that knew the answer to that. Mm, true. So, so yeah, I true. think it's, it's definitely less of an impact. And also the shortages mean, yeah, I want that car. Like you say, if I can get it in August, I'll have it in August because I've been waiting six months for it. I'm not going to wait any any longer. So, mm. yeah. Is there still a difference in in terms of valuations if a car was a 22 versus a 72, even if it was, you know, a week apart? Is there a difference in, there is still a difference in valuation? There is, there is still a difference. Sorry, I was nodding there, which doesn't work for one of the podcasts, is it? Um, there, there, is a, um, there is a difference. And there's also a difference between a December and a January still. So, which right. obviously you can't see any difference there at all on, on the vehicle. There is a difference, but I'll caveat with saying in the used car world, I think it's less than it used to be. And um, certainly uh, over my time at CAP, we've flattened how much uplift you get for a new plate in September uh, and March. So it's not, not as much it used to be, maybe 5%. Now it's maybe 
2%, something like that. That's very, very general based on the uh, on, on what vehicles are because it can differ, but you'll get a little bit for the year and you'll get a, um, you'll get more for the plate, but not as much as it used to be by, by any means. Mm. Interesting. I think, I think there was one thing, it was the final paragraph in that story which said, it seems like long lead times and the fact that new cars can depreciate in value when driven off the forecourt is impacting on the allure of the new car and driving buyers towards the nearly new market where cars can be driven away the same day. I think that is true, but I do. I think you do have to caveat this, that this has come from MotorPoint, whose <laughs> stock in trade is nearly new cars. So um, <laughs> playing mm. devil's advocate here, but um, I, 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 do, I do agree. And I, and I think the allure of the new plate has probably diminished and, Yes, uh, I, I do agree with you too that that possibly people do get a bit confused between twenty two and seventy two, but I I think it's a bit more of a general point saying people aren't quite so interested in getting a brand new car these days. I still think there is, um, and I think it's dumbing. I think it's watering down the point that that people aren't interested in buying new cars anymore. I I, I do think they are. Um, because we wouldn't we wouldn't be seeing everything that we do see about the new car market at the moment if people weren't interested. I mean, we constantly hear people moaning about the fact they have to wait 12, 14, 16, 18 months for a brand new car. If, if the allure of the brand new car wasn't as strong, people wouldn't be saying that, would they? So, um, yeah, interesting. 100% agree. People still want a new car. Yeah. We'll, we'll always want a new car, but it's just when when that is registered during the year maybe isn't as important to you as it yeah is. yeah mm. well that was that was going to be my next story so i mean we're, we're overlapping a lot again this week but um i'd like to move on to um a toyota advert this is always mm. tends to be one of my favorite kinds of stories we do at car dealer magazine when an advert is banned and this time round, it's a toyota advert and um, again, this doesn't necessarily work that well on radio. Um, <laughs> so people do have to go and look at our website to see the actual advert. But I will try and explain it to you. This is why I'm uh, glad you're doing this and not me. I'll try and explain to you with, co with colourful words um, <laughs> so you can try and picture it in your, in your mind. But um, the advert, which appeared in The Guardian and I newspapers in April and May 2022, featured an image of three cars driving close together. Um, and uh, they are, wait a minute, let me just scroll down. It's the Supra, it's the new GR86 and the GR Yaris. So um, three cars, they're driving very close together down a lovely road, looks like somewhere in Germany, actually. Very, very, very nice road. The sun is out and um, written above these cars is the words, that GR feeling, the Toyota GR series. And beneath the beneath the picture, it reads precise, balanced, playful. It's not me. I do hasten to add this <laughs> the advert. And um, precise, balanced, playful. It's this elusive combination that delivers the heart-pumping excitement of the Toyota GR series. Pure performance cars born from the Toyota Gazoo racing, and now on a road near you. Now. When this advert appeared in April and May of this year, it sparked three complaints to the Advertising mm. Standards Authority, including one from the Worthing Green Party, who believed the ad condoned and encouraged driving behaviour that was dangerous. It's, it's turned out, it's come to light, that um, some of these complaints were because people were misreading the advert. So... Uh, 
when it, when I say that GR feeling, you could read that as that grr feeling. And it does seem as though some of these complaints, people have misread that and have implied where well, they feel as though Toyota is implying that when you drive, you should be driving aggressively in a very grr manner. Um, and, uh, and so the advert's been banned. Um, and uh, so this is a question to both of you here. Is this another example of the world has gone mad or is this actually a failure in manufacturer messaging here and nobody in the agency or, in, or indeed the manufacturer realised that you could read this, the, the letters GR, which of course stand for Gazoo Racing, as grr. So I don't know where, well, both of you may be sitting on the fence on this, but um, I was just wondering what you two thought about that. John, what did you think? Um, I would imagine my opinion on this is going to be largely the same as yours. I think, I sort of, I, I can't even hold it against the Worthing Green Party for putting in a complaint. I think, you know, um, fair play to them. They will put in a complaint if there's three sports cars on a on a page in The Guardian or wherever. Um, to me, it's more, it is the ASA, isn't it? Yeah, the ASA's strange judgment on this. I mean, this is like the, the blandest advert you could possibly imagine, short yes. of them being parked in a supermarket supermarket car park. There's nothing going on there, just driving down a road, probably at 20 miles an hour. Um, I think it's a bit, it's insane, really. That's my That's my take on it. But the ASA is going to be the ASA. That seems to be what happens. Just occasionally, they make a very strange judgment about something. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to sit on the fence here. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they have that. <laughs> that. It's the first time I've seen the story, but it. I mean, it looks fine to me. Um, I'm not sure how how big the Worthing Green Party is, but um, they've obviously got their view, and and everyone's in their within their rights to come to complain. But I think. It's got more R's than one. It does. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's ridiculous banning that. And I'm sure we could find others that you could probably question more and ban than that one. So it's a bit of a strange one for me. Mm. This is this is the awkward situation that car manufacturers find themselves in now. Where I mean, it was a it was a few years ago, wasn't it? The ASA really ramped up their definition of what you could and couldn't have in a car advert car advert effectively um so there was there was you know no excessive speed you couldn't dis display anything that implied speeding um even if it was on a racetrack or similar i don't think there was no kind of anything with dust clouds behind the car that would imply you know burning tires or whatever nope that's all gone out so we're now at the point where is it just going to be a, a photo of a car parked somewhere in a bland setting that's that's all you're going to have that's all you'll be allowed. And are adverts in general treated with this level of scrutiny, or is it just car adverts? Is there someone someone at the ASA has a bit of a bee in their bonnet about car ads? I don't know. <laughs> it's so strange. I don't understand. Well, I think the irony of, with all of this is there is, you could say it's a huge storm in a teacup because two of those cars in that advert you can't buy. Yes. Um, the the GR86 sports car is completely sold out, and the and the GR Yaris. Again, um, they're, they're not making any more of them. It's only the Supra that you can you can actually go and buy. So um, uh, obviously Toyota fit, feel as though they, they had to present these three cars to advertise their GR 
uh, racing department. Um, but um, it seems as though the Worthing Green Party doesn't like it. So um, so have that, Toyota. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Three, three complaints. I, I, does that really mean that something gets banned because of three complaints? Is that the level now that, that, that you have to... Is that, is, that all, is that the minimum number or something? I mean, it is extraordinary, isn't it, that this, this advertising campaign will cost a huge amount of money and it can be completely thwarted by three complaints, isn't it? I mean, mm. but, uh, but that is what the ASA has judged and ruled. And of course, we've all got to uh, go along with it. But um, yeah, I just, I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you might have some strong views on that, Darren, and I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, yeah, uh, it would have been a bit embarrassing if I'd been in the Worthing Green Party, though. You didn't check that first, did you? Mm. No, no, that's right. You're the Brighton branch, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody listened to this who is from the Worthing Green Party, we'd very much welcome the opportunity for you to come on the podcast and we can have a chat about it. Absolutely. Or the ASA, for that matter. Or the ASA, for that matter, yes. Uh, shall I move us on? This is my final story, luckily, because we are running out of time. Um, I'm going to choose uh, a story about hackers targeting a dealer group as Holdcroft um, in a major cyber attack that may have compromised employees' data. So this was your typical kind of ransomware attack that you hear about in newspapers nowadays. Um, so it's caused significant damage. And may have compromised employees' information, not customer information, we should point out. So they've got 23 locations across the Midlands and Northwest Holdcroft Motor Group. Um, and they're understood to have lost data stretching back years. Now, the police are involved in this, as are um, the, I think it's the ICO, isn't it? The information office people. Um, but I, I, the reason I brought this up is because I think this is something we're going to see more and more. You know, this was there's no suggestion this was a targeted attack or anything. This is just something that happens now to all businesses. If you're not really, you haven't really got your eye on the ball in terms of IT infrastructure and security, um, and it's something that everyone needs to be aware of and everyone needs to be watching out for. Because I mean, the worst case scenario of this would be customer data, because of course that is much more scary in terms of you'd have a lot of it and there's personal data not to fall down the gdpr rabbit hole but that would be quite a costly fine if you were found to have not secured it in a in a safe way um and someone has hacked in and helped themselves to it don't know what you think about this batch is it something that we are going to see more and more of well yeah i mean it, it did it did surprise me because again i think I and probably lots of people listening to this have a very naive view that that doesn't tend to happen to businesses in the motor trade. You tend to hear it from banks or airlines or some mm. major data breach, don't you? But I think it's just a sign of the times, really, isn't it? It just shows that um, that there are hackers who will steal any form of information, whatever, however that is packaged up and whatever and however that is presented. And uh, yeah, I know dealers have got a huge amount to think about, but it's probably worth saving, having a bit of a, well, making some time to think about how, how secure is your data, because dealers and any form of, of business in the motor trade, um, they do have a lot of data and information about people, don't they? Mm, absolutely. Darren, thoughts? It's just... Uh, it's just a warning to everybody really isn't it that anybody can can get hacked and it, it's uh it's obviously very worrying i'm sure it's caused absolute carnage at, at, at holcroft so yeah it's a it's a bit of a sad story there are some 
bad people out there, aren't there, who are, who are prepared to, to to nick your data to to uh, and cause cause chaos and ransomware and all that. And I'm aware of it in other um, other areas as well. So yeah, it's uh, not not a good thing, not a good thing, and probably a good story to raise awareness on it. Mm, absolutely, and of course, suppliers need to be aware as well because probably there's you know many systems are shared across many dealership groups um you know dms's and the such yeah hmm right i think that's all our stories isn't it yes can i just can i just say something actually um Ooh. it's not related to the podcast it's just um for anybody listening to this who has been thinking about um filling out the car dealer power survey and has thought oh i've got plenty of time to do that oh i know it's the bank holiday weekend i don't want to be thinking about things like that please do um because the deadline closes on wednesday august the 31st and your opinions really do matter so whether it is the car manufacturer you represent or the suppliers you do business with please do fill it out it only takes a few minutes and it really does shape um the way these businesses operate so please do take some time today this afternoon whenever you're listening to this to fill it out thank you public service announcement over with thank you very much for that james Batchelor, because i had forgotten to mention that yeah good work okay right darren before we ask for your verdict is there anything you think we've missed um, i had written down here mg dealer network which you got used cars um gone down which was the story from this morning which you didn't mention but um also the um used cars that have gone down over the last year as well um got that um new plate not important i had written down as well and the only one you didn't mention was lookers um with the um h1 results maybe i'm a bit biased a good customer of ours and we when we speak to them but i thought that was a, obviously a good news story as well that they've uh, had a good half year and a positive outlook for the future so those those were the ones that that, that i picked mm. yes because there was a lot of it's nice to see lookers kind of well it's nice to see a positive news story about lookers rather than yeah yeah, yeah. i think I, john i think you're being very polite there i think darren's basically shown us up there that we we haven't done our <laughs> job properly and we haven't reported on one of the biggest stories of the week so thanks very much darren lovely to have you on <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> uh, but it's fine because i talked about the increasing price on a honda e so that's very relevant absolutely um okay i'm gonna have to ask you who do you think is the winner oh it's, it's very difficult as always um I think, John, I'm going to go with you because I like the new Reg story. Um, you've obviously done a, a bit of a uh, thing about uh, raising awareness for cyber attacks and also the Stellantis Renault was a good news story as well if their plants are back to normal. So, sorry, James, I've gone with John this month. No, 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 it's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. I won't hold it against you. <clears throat> that didn't sound like it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much, Darren. Um, I'm sure Batch won't be hideously late for your next Car Dealer Live uh, interview or anything. Um, he'll take it with grace um, and excellent decorum. Um, so all that's left for me to say is thank you, Darren, for judging today. Thank you very much for judging today. It's been great to have you on. A pleasure. Excellent. I hope you'll come back. Um, yeah, thank you as well to Batch for competing. Well, trying to compete, obviously. Um, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you can be notified when that episode goes live. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget you can swipe up now 
and vote on who you think won. If you want to check out the stories we've mentioned today, you can click the links in the show notes below or head to cardealermagazine.co.uk where you'll find those and much more news besides. And of course, don't forget to vote in Car Dealer Power 2022 before the deadline of next Wednesday. It's very important. Do that. Thanks again. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>